0: Welcome to Unspoken, the podcast that highlights experiences that are all too common but very rarely discussed. I am Dr. Clodagh Campbell, the wellness psychologist, and I feel very passionately about speaking the unspoken to remove the taboo and shame that so often surrounds our experiences and internal worlds. For each episode of Unspoken, I am joined by someone who would like to uncover their unspoken with us, in order to help themselves, but also in order to help others. I really hope that you enjoy today's episode and that you take something from it. Today's podcast is very proudly sponsored by my absolute favourite Irish skincare brand, Ella and Joe Cosmetics. With formulas that are powered by plants and backed by science, Ella and Joe are dedicated to creating high-quality, luxurious skincare products that actually deliver results and that create magic moments in your day. Whether your skin is dry, dull, or just in need of a pick-me-up, the Ella and Joe range will put the joy back into your skincare routine. Find your skin confidence again by shopping Ella and Joe's beautiful products on ellaandjoe.ie using discount code Unspoken for 15% off. Today I'm joined by Sarah Jane Dunn, who has very bravely agreed to share her Unspoken with us sarah jane's story centers around her being cast on one of the uk's biggest soaps as a teenager and her experience of growing up in the spotlight as the good girl until at the age of 40 her decision to start an OnlyFans account led to her being sacked and being on the receiving end of a media frenzy of judgment trolling and shame sarah jane speaks to me about the turmoil of her experience but also about being unapologetically herself Standing in her power and not allowing people to censor her or to keep her playing small. What an empowering conversation. I hope you love it as much as I did. Sarah, welcome to Unspoken.
1: Thank you for having me. Very happy to be here.
0: I'm delighted to have you and to have you to come and speak at something so unspoken and to be so brave to do so. Thank you. I'd love to begin by you taking us back to what life was like as you first started working and acting as a teenager. What was that like entering into that world?
1: Um it was I mean it was very exciting because I think back then so this was like mid 90s when I started um on Hollyoaks and I was 14. Um, it was sort of unheard of that you would land a role on TV. Um, it wasn't quite as accessible as it seems nowadays. You know, there's a lot of reality shows nowadays. It feels like, especially with the likes of social media and things like that, anyone can somehow get into the industry in some sort of um, way or form. But back then it was it was a huge thing and it was something that I never, ever um sort of even even dared to dream of so when I first started it was really really exciting and it was a whole new world that I knew nothing about so I was sort of learning as I was going along I was meeting lots of new people and being really thrown in at the deep end you know it's it's I I was so young that I hadn't really had a chance to perform a lot before I mean I'd done like drama club and I'd done school theater and things like that but I hadn't ever performed in front of a camera or um you know with a script or anything like that so I was really thrown at the deep end but um yeah I loved it and it was a real challenge um and I think that alongside then continuing my school work and And that aspect as well of, of, of normal life continuing alongside this new life that I'd been thrust into was challenging, but, um, I adored it.
0: What led to you auditioning for Hollyoaks? How did you get there?
1: I thought at that young age, when you don't really know what you want to be or who you want to be or who you are or what job you want to do in, in my mind at that age, there were a lot of the sort of magazines like just 17 and, you know, all the sort of teeny mags that were out and um, lots of pretty girls on the cover. And I remember lots, of, you know, all the clear seal adverts and things like that. Um, and I, in my mind, I wanted to be a model. That's what I decided at 12 years old. I was like, right, mom, when I'm 16, I'm moving to London, going to get an agent just like that. You know, this is my na- naivety. Um, And because of that, and because I think because I'd found something that I was quite passionate about, and I wasn't a very confident child, I think my mom sort of um, embraced that for me. She could see that actually this performing and doing the youth theatre and doing, I did like a little modelling course. All of these things were bringing me out of myself and bringing out this confidence that she hadn't seen. Um, And because I was passionate about it, she um, allowed me to basically sign up to like a local modeling agency, if you like. And it was through them that the audition for Hollyoaks came along. And I jumped at the chance to audition for the show, thinking in in itself that would just be an experience. And then like two, three auditions down the line, I then was offered the job. So it it came about sort of out of sheer, you know, right place, right time. and, And this opportunity just sort of came along. I'm trying to imagine
0: what it was like at such a tender age to suddenly be in front of the TV. You just reference yourself that you weren't particularly confident when you were growing up as a little girl. Was that really daunting? And how did you feel about yourself and your appearance and your acting skills at that time?
1: I was very judgmental and self-critical. I remember actually my first episode being aired. So at the time, the show was only on once a week. And so we filmed the episode and then it was something like three months before it was on screen. And so in that three months, I was filming other episodes. Obviously, everyone was sort of becoming aware that I'd landed this role, Whether it was like family or school friends. A lot of people didn't believe me. I remember school friends going, she's lying, like who, you know, she's not got a part in Hollyoaks and and having to just sort of ride that out. and, And, you know, Be like, yes, yes, I have. And you will see in a few months. And why would I lie about it? And um, I remember the first episode, I sat in my bedroom on my own and watched it on my own because I couldn't bear the thought of sitting with my family and watching it. So they all watched it downstairs. I watched it and cringed like mad. I remember just being so, you know, like when you, I remember when you first hear yourself, talking or back on a recording and again people might not really be able to relate with this nowadays because we hear ourselves on social media and you know you're very familiar with your own voice because of things like TikTok and Instagram but I remember hearing myself for the first time and thinking I don't sound like that that doesn't sound like me and seeing myself and you know doing this performance that It was really, again, a performance that really pushed me out of my comfort zone because the character that I played was a very confident 15-year-old who was pretending to be an 18-year-old and she came in and her first scene was actually being really quite sexual and um, making advances towards an older boy and all of that pushed me massively out of my my comfort zone, sorry. But again, because I wanted this so badly, I did it and I made myself do it and I actually really did sort of push and, and test myself and yeah, but I remember being very, very critical for a while. And then also having to take that criticism and jealousy and judgment from school friends and, you know, from being teased or I've got two older brothers. So from being teased by them when it came on in the kindest way, but obviously all of that is stuff that when you're at such a fragile, vulnerable age, it's a lot to sort of take on board and and then carry through
0: as teenagers we build our self-worth don't we and there's so much that we attribute to make to what makes us worthy and so often at that tender age we are thinking about our physical appearance and how we look and we're also thinking about whether people find us pretty and attractive I'm wondering if that was hard when you were being shown on the TV screen and you knew that everybody that kn- knew you was watching.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where the sort of judgment and jealousy came in, um, from my, again, from school friends or maybe even from, you know, other circles of people that wanted to do what I was doing. And I was in this really fortunate position where I was doing what a lot of people my age would have, you know, absolutely done anything to do working with, and you've got to remember at the time the soap was huge. Like it was only a year old. There was a lot of like teenage boys in it that all the girls fancied and and vice versa, these pretty girls that all the boys fancied. And suddenly I was part of that world. But again, I don't think that really registered for me that I was part of that and that um, I just sort of went, it got in there and got on with it and it's only as I've got older that I've sort of really started to understand the magnitude of, of what that meant at the time and of of, of an unpicking really of, of what that was and how that has maybe affected me as I've moved through those years and as I've got older and and I guess coping mechanisms that I probably put in place at the time to protect myself. I think I I did. And I did this a lot at school. I remember I did used to sort of almost talk myself down. So if someone would pay me a compliment, I would brush it off or, you know, pass it off as something else, or I wouldn't know how to accept that and be grateful for it because I was almost pushing myself down to make other people feel better. It's so interesting, isn't it? And
0: even as a 14, 15-year-old girl, that was your go-to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like what I would do is if some, yeah, exactly, if someone would pay me a compliment or someone would, you know, I had this amazing opportunity and if anyone sort of acknowledged that, I would almost downplay it. And I think a lot of that came from, not wanting to come across as big-headed, or not wanting to come across as, oh, you know, I'm I'm like brilliant or I'm really good, and almost not being a people pleaser, but playing a sort of the good girl role and and doing what I thought I should do, and and yeah, I think a lot of things that I I think back on now is not being big headed or, you know, when you, you come across a comment, oh, she loves herself or that girl loves herself. And I feel like that was something that was mentioned a lot when I was growing up. So I would say anything to sort of not portray that character. If that makes sense. So the people pleasing, it almost sounds
0: like you were trying to tell people what you thought they wanted to hear. So if they were jealous or if they were, um, looking at you and your success you almost wanted to say no I'm not I'm not beautiful I'm not this I'm not that I'm just this normal girl it's almost like you were trying to dim your light
1: yeah absolutely and I feel like it was always to make other people feel better and I never really thought about how I felt or what that was doing to me and my confidence I never actually stood in my truth and went yeah do you know what I have done really well here and I am doing a really good job and I am being professional. I'd always be like, Oh, I'm so lucky. That was something that came up a lot. I'm so lucky. You know, I'm so lucky to have this opportunity. I'm so lucky to work with these people. I, I always, I always so used to sort of say, Oh, I probably won't be there very long. You know, it won't last very long. And yeah, absolutely would downplay my achievements and my success in order to make other people feel better about themselves and to to quell their jealousy and to not make them think um, bad of me.
0: That behaviour, that kind of telling people what you thought they wanted to hear or playing things down, where did you learn that? Where did that come from? Did you hear that coming from home? Was that a message your parents were teaching you or where did that start?
1: I think so. And I think in the nicest possible way, I think it was their way of protecting me, their way of keeping me grounded. That was another word that played up a lot. You know, you have to stay grounded. I think for them, it was an industry that they knew nothing about as well. So it wasn't like I was coming from a family of performers, a family of actors. Um, We never knew anything like this. This was very, very new. And my mum was my chaperone from me being 14 to me being 17 when I could drive. And so I think a lot of it was that it was their way of protecting me and, and sort of almost protecting me for if this ended, you know, I'd, I'd got this amazing opportunity. I was working in TV. I was um, being successful, getting amazing storylines, going to like red carpet events, doing photo shoots. And I think, their worry was probably that if one day it just suddenly stopped, that that would be a huge blow for me and maybe would be quite devastating. And so in a way, it was probably them sort of going, oh, you know, you've got to stay grounded. You've got to have a a real job. That was another thing that always came up. You've got to have something to fall back on. Um, And I think I would hear that comment as well, not just from my parents, from other people talking about other people that, that, oh, she loves herself. She only wears that outfit because she loves herself. Maybe talking about other people or people other people on TV or... And I think that without, mean, without intending to, those sort of things you, at that vulnerable age, you absorb, don't you? And you think, okay, well that's obviously a bad thing we don't you don't want to love yourself you don't want to seem like you're full of yourself you you've got to play it down you've got to play it small and and then people will like you if you do that and you'll be more successful because it's almost like you're the underdog um so I think it was a condition from society and from family
0: yeah when you think of when we say people pleasing how else was that showing up in your life at that time
1: I didn't have any boundaries. I didn't know what they were. That's something that is actually a really new word to me. Um, i I would say yes to anything, whether that be um working longer hours than I should have done, working weekends when I wasn't really, I shouldn't have have done that working, you know, i I, I ran school alongside work and school were very understanding as were like my teachers and my parents, you know, school was always priority, but I probably shouldn't have worked quite as much as I did. And in a way that probably did affect my schoolwork because I was, I was exhausted, but I was doing everything because again, because I wanted this so badly, I had to maintain everything. Whereas actually now as the woman that I am, and if I put myself in those shoes again, as that young girl, there probably were times when I should have just gone, oh no, I'm too tired or no, actually I need to do this today or just standing up for myself a little bit more and knowing when I didn't have to be everything to everyone.
0: Yeah. When I think of Hollyoaks at that time, it was known and still is as the sexy soap. And you said yourself, you referenced your first scene was quite a sexy one. Were you ever asked to do things that you were uncomfortable with or that felt like really challenging for you to do?
1: I think they were always my, really mindful when I was young. You know, my first big storyline, I think I did when I was 15 and it was um, my character's father was abusive and Obviously, the the program is pre-Watershed, so there's only so much that you would ever see or um, only so much that would ever be referenced. But obviously, I was playing this character and and going to certain places in my mind playing this character. And they were very, very mindful of that. I think the, the only times I really felt uncomfortable were scenes probably with other male actors. I remember one in particular... And I think a lot has changed even since I left the show over two years ago, just in general in the industry. I think they they put in place intimacy coordinators now, which is brilliant. And I can't believe actually that we were ever in a place where we never had someone on set that would guide and almost choreograph intimate sequences and scenes. But I remember having a scene in a hotel with a guy that he came in and played a a character for only for a couple of episodes. And I had to be in bed with this guy and I was literally, I was supposed to look like I was naked. So I just had like a strapless bar and I had the cover over me. And I remember we had to do this kissing scene and I just remember feeling very, very uncomfortable. I didn't know him. He really went for it. Um, I don't think he'd really done any acting before. So no one had had the conversation with him that it's very staged and, you know, it's sort of paint by numbers. And the crew was mainly men as, as most TV and film crews are, you know, it's, it's usually majority um, male. And I remember feeling very uncomfortable at that time. And I remember sort of, again, just sort of going, okay, well, this is my job and going along with it. But I think now well I know now for certain if I was in that position again I would make sure that I felt comfortable and that that was addressed beforehand and can com- like properly talked through and um yeah there were there were a few occasions that I would say that again going back I would like to sort of um be that younger version of me but have more more sort of authority within myself to go no I'm not comfortable with this and I'd This has to, you know, we have to address this now.
0: And when you're in a room full of men, you're a teenage girl or even in your early 20s, it's very intimidating. So to find your voice and to have that power to say, I'm not comfortable with this, that, you know, I imagine that would have taken a lot of courage for you to do, for anyone to do in that situation.
1: Yeah, it really would have done, and that's probably why I never did. The other thing with like being on a set and being on a show like that is that it's so fast-paced, and they're so stuck to a schedule that you have to complete, you know, your scenes for the day. And actually, by standing up and going, I'm not comfortable with this. That in itself would have been a delay. It would have been delayed to shooting. You would also almost be seen to be being awkward. And again, I think that's where the people pleaser in me and the the good girl okay, would in my mentally would kick in and go, you can't do that because then you'll delay everything and then you will be the problem. And then that will feed back and Sarah will have been difficult today and that might have repercussions and you might lose your job. I mean, it, all of these things play out in your mind and you're never putting yourself first. It was always the production or how other people felt that would be, at the forefront of Mm. my mind
0: yeah so this was your teens and early 20s and then life moves on you fall in love you become a mom you get married to your gorgeous husband and COVID hits It's like all of that happened quite quickly for you (laughs) didn't it what was COVID like for you what was landing in that position at that time like your acting I assume had to pause when the restrictions were strict
1: yes so we were one of the last places to shut down I remember that vividly because I remember obviously COVID news being everywhere um, and people being sent home and offices being shut down and I was still driving to work I remember having a conversation with my husband at the end of one of the weeks just before we did get stopped and filming got postponed and getting really quite upset and worried because I was like, why am I still driving to work when everyone else, everyone I know has been told not to go anywhere yet I'm still going in. What, why? Like, it's not that important. Like we're, we're making a TV show. The world's not going to stop if we stop filming and the TV show stops filming. But it really felt like, no, no, you have to be there. Um, And I remember that last day of filming and everyone being a bit unsure what was happening or, and we were due to be back in. That was a Friday. We were due to go back in on the, on the Monday. And it was only, I think on the Sunday that we all got an email saying, right, you won't be coming in tomorrow. Um, I found COVID itself really difficult, um, I think it was the uncertainty for me of what was happening. I didn't know if I'd have a job to go back to. I didn't know when filming would resume. Obviously, it's not something that you can do from home. So I knew that to be able to start working again, I would have to go back to a place of work. So that in itself was very sort of um, nerve wracking to think, okay, again, everyone's still social distancing, everyone's wearing masks, but we will have to be in a space together um and because as an actor on that show you're self-employed pay you know we weren't paid like we would have been so suddenly I didn't know what money was coming in which obviously was a financial worry which I know a lot of other people suffered as well so there was all this uncertainty and the other thing that I struggled with was the fact that I am so used to doing and being and being busy and I've never had that shutdown time where actually I could do nothing and so that in itself was massive for me just having to sort of sit with myself and I think a lot of stuff sort of sort of um really hit me during that time like you say we'd we got married um then Stanley had been very poorly and had been in hospital for a few weeks And then off the back of that, a couple of weeks after he got out of hospital, we moved house. Then it was Christmas. And then obviously in the March, then COVID hit. So I I don't think I'd processed any of these big things that happened, all of these big life things until we stopped. And on top of unpicking and processing this, you know, huge events that happened to us, I was panicking about work and what might happen and and what the future sort of looked like for me and and us as a family.
0: It's almost echoing as you speak, it's echoing what your parents were saying to you as your career began, you know, be careful. We don't know what's going to come next. I don't want you to be disappointed. It's like you, it sounds like you're looking to the future thinking, what's going to come next? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to have a job? How am I going to look after myself? How am I going to provide for myself and my family?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that always plays in my mind. I think that's a a sort of condition of being an an actor as well. You know, you never know where the next job is going to come from, where the next paycheck is going to come from. I have been very fortunate in that I have, worked and worked consistently pretty much throughout my entire career. It's not like that for a lot of actors and you have to find the work where it comes, whether that's in the industry or, you know, working in a supermarket or doing something for yourself where you can bring some money in because, you know, the bills don't stop coming in and you still got to pay your mortgage. And once you've got a family, you've still got to provide for them. So those things don't stop.
0: So you're in the thick of COVID. You're concerned about what the future holds. Did Where did you go from
1: there? Well, I think with that time during COVID and being at home and having so much time to think, myself and my husband discussed different ways of bringing in an income and being self-sufficient and being able to manage something myself Um, and we had lots of conversations you know we talked about opening a coffee shop and you know we talked about dog walking and there was lots of different things that we were like actually what could we do and at the time I was sort of posting a lot on social media as people were and when COVID started to lift slightly I started doing a lot of photo shoots and just stuff to sort of entertain myself really I wasn't massively busy at work and it was a photographer that mentioned to me, he actually said, you know, have you ever thought about moving your sort of bikini and underwear shots and putting them somewhere separate to your Instagram and maybe monetizing that and having more control over them because putting them on social media, they just get lifted and they can go in the tabloids or people can repost them. You have you don't own the copyright, basically. Um, and that's where the initial sort of idea for OnlyFans began and um, that was something that I then started to look in further I went round in circles a few times different ideas and pet circling back to OnlyFans and I wanted something that I could run alongside being an actor that wouldn't affect my filming schedule that I could have full creative control of and it just seemed like the perfect solution for something that I was doing anyway but to sort of move it and and put it on a separate platform. So it was nearly two years ago now. It was just before Halloween. Um and I'd done lots of shoots. Like I said, I was doing loads of shoots anyway. And I did a a shoot specifically with the launch in mind. Um and I'd sort of scheduled lots of content. So on the platform you can pre-schedule content. So I'd I had it all ready to go and all I really needed to do was was announce it and press the launch button. And I did it one Friday evening, really not knowing what was going to happen, not knowing whether people would be interested, not knowing if people would want to subscribe or what that would look like, how many people that might be, whether people might think, you know, what what are you doing? Why have you made this decision? But I just thought this feels right for me. And why not? You know, this is no different to what I'm doing, but why not? try it somewhere else, try it in a different space. And I remember announcing it and then just sitting and watching the subscribers go up. And obviously alongside that, then the the sort of monetization side of that increase and getting all these messages coming through and and just sitting with my husband going, oh my God, like, what is this? This is is it. And I remember going, this is it. This is the answer. Like, this is amazing. Like, I can be in control of this. I can still film. I can still do the school run. I can still be mommy. I can still be me. I can have all of this and I can work my job. Like, this is a perfect solution. Why didn't I do it sooner?
0: So it sounds like you were actually really excited. And it was like, yes, this makes sense for me. This is going to work for me.
1: Yeah, so excited. I thought, this is it, I found the answer.
0: Yeah, yeah. But that excitement was short-lived because what happened shortly after launching?
1: Well, it was it was exciting for about a week. Um, it's still excited now, but um, after I was live on the platform for a week and I got to... Or like the Thursday before the, the the sort of first weekday and got called in for a meeting um at Hollyoaks. And long story short, they weren't interested. And they were not um happy about me being on the platform. Um and they wanted me to take it down with immediate effect. Um so we had a bit of back and forth about obviously what my my thing was why Why is it any different to what I was doing before? Their concern was that it was an over-18s only platform, even though the content I was doing wasn't only over-18s. And yeah, long story short, the the following Wednesday, they terminated my contract with immediate effect. So what I thought would be the perfect thing to run alongside filming um, and to able to fit into my schedule because it's such a funny schedule when you're filming, you never really know when you're going to be needed. You're sort of always on call, but this was something that I could fit into days when I was off or evenings or even weekends. Um, Yeah. That was very sort of short lived. But by that point I knew how successful the platform was for me. And I knew, I knew in my gut, I don't know what happens when a woman turns 40, but it felt like a real sort of pivotal, monumental moment, um, I had this real feel of, I, I really don't care anymore. And I don't mean that in a really, like, I don't care, like negative way. I mean, I just really didn't care what people thought about me anymore. And I really cared about what I wanted and what I needed and what was right for me. And I knew in my gut and in my heart of hearts that what I was doing and where I was going with the platform felt right for me and it was where I needed to be and it was something that I needed to stand my ground on. And I stand by that to this day, like it's it's still the best decision I ever made. And obviously I wouldn't have wanted to ever, you know, leave the show in the way that um, it happened, but maybe it had to happen like that. I'm a, a strong believer in everything for a reason. And and I, I probably would never have left. And for me by, sticking to my guns and standing my ground, it gave me the push that I probably needed.
0: What was it like, Sarah, to be so excited about something and for work then very quickly to terminate your contract, a place you had been working for such a long time? What, What was it, about 25 years? On and off?
1: It was 26 years. Yeah, on and off. Yeah. yeah.
0: So what was it like? Like the
1: majority of my life.
0: Yeah, for them to Mm. just cut ties with you so quickly and not just that, but then for the media frenzy which followed, what was it like to be in that situation?
1: It was, the way that they handled it, I think, was really, it was really devastating actually and it was really hurtful. And I still do, if I talk about it, sometimes to this day I still get quite upset because I feel like I gave so much to that show to that company I gave so much to myself I gave so much to my life I gave so much up to be there and to be professional and to give my all that I really don't feel that that was honored um or that there was any sort of thank thanks or loyalty or there there was just there was no sort of acknowledgement of that and for for ties to be cut so quickly and so abruptly um was hurtful and actually i didn't ever get to have closure on the show you know luckily i'm i'm friends with a lot of the casting crew there so it's not that i didn't get to say goodbye but i never got to have like my final final day And never got to wrap up the character. I never got to say goodbye to the character. You know, she's still out there, you know, she's and she was a huge part of me. Obviously I lived and breathed her for a long, long time. So I found that really, really quite devastating. And that's something that I've sort of worked through. Um, And it's probably something that I'm still grieving in a way, you know, I'm still grieving that life and that other persona and, and, um, that big part of my life. And then what happened then off the back of it on the day that my contract was terminated, um, the show actually went to the the press and announced that I'd been sacked without giving me the heads up. So I had no idea that they they told people what had happened and, and in no uncertain terms what had happened. So I really was sort of on the back foot of this big, unexpected media frenzy. And I really didn't expect people to care, you know, regardless of whether it had gone to press or not. But actually, I think because it was so controversial, because so many people could see the hypocrisy of what they'd done and obviously the way that for so many years, as cast members, we've been sexualized and put in those positions and situations that when one cast member stepped away and sort of took control of that herself, that obviously being me, that they had an issue with it. And so it was, it was a really crazy sort of couple of months. And I've really felt myself sitting in a position of fight or flight response because I, I was instantly on the defensive because I knew I hadn't done anything wrong and still stood by, you know, my decision. And, and what I'd, done and that it yeah it was a it was a lot and it was a it feels like a real whirlwind even just thinking back of, on that time because so much was happening in such a small space of time and and such again massive life-changing things that I was sort of was trying to deal with the fact that I didn't have that job and that source of income anymore and take on this new role and you know, deal with my new business and, and and set that up. And that was all brand new. And I was still finding my feet with that. And then suddenly dealing with this, you know, this crazy media retention too.
0: Yeah. And as you say, to have to deal with all of that publicly and to have to experience the public's perception of your decisions and of you being sacked so suddenly. And I'm wondering... You say fight or flight, of course you were in that fight or flight response. That must have been so anxiety provoking to just be in the middle of that storm. Storm is really the word that's coming to mind for me in that.
1: Yeah, it did feel like a storm and one that yeah, really did come out of the blue. Um I mean, I'd announced that I'd joined the platform and I'd had a huge Sort of response from people on social media. The majority was really positive. And was you know, was other women going, "This is amazing and good on you," and how empowering and how inspiring. And you know, as a as a fellow mother or forty um, something year old, or you know, you've inspired me to feel confident and sexual and feminine and that was really lovely so I went off the back of this really lovely week of people mostly being encouraging and supportive to then having obviously this onslaught of Again, mostly supportive, but obviously with that, I got the negativity of people going, I can't believe you've left this incredible job from people that had no idea, you know, what that place was like to work. Like, you know, people just making assumptions about your life or I think people assume that you're on TV. So with that, they go, it was glamorous. It's fun. You earn a lot of money. Um, Why would you throw that away? no one knows what goes on behind closed doors or, you know, what position someone's in or whether you're happy or not. So that's people sort of making judgments mm-hmm. just off what they assume. Um, and the other comment that I got a lot was how, you know, why would you do this? You are a mother. And that for me actually made me stand my ground even more. And the fact that I am a mother is a big reason why I've done this. You know, why can't you? be a mother and still be sexy and confident and be yourself. Like that doesn't strip you of your identity when you become a mother. And if anything, for me, I think it's helped me find myself more because I think I've had to fight for it more.
0: I think so often, and it sounds like you experienced this right from the start, from when you were 14 and you first started in Hollyoaks, other people can feel threatened. other women can feel threatened when women are beautiful and successful um, and standing in their own power and sh- and shining their light so brightly. So it sounds like you were on the receiving end of that threat that other women were experiencing when seeing these beautiful photos of you and seeing you, you know carving out this career for yourself.
1: I think the the thing that gets me, past any negative comments or makes me sort of not take these things personally is to look at the comment and see that that is coming from a place from the whoever's written that comment is coming from their own insecurities and their it's maybe triggered something in them that has made them feel uncomfortable and rather than them dealing with whatever issue that is themselves which is probably what they need to do it then gets reflected back onto me. And like you say, it's it's their own sort of jealousy and insecurities. And that is how I deal with that. Because I feel like, why else would you make a comment that is sort of derogatory or or nasty when I'm not doing anything to hurt anyone? I'm not doing anything um that, that I'm being made to do. This is all on my terms. It is all my body. This is all my decision. And that's why I find it so empowering. And I think that's why most people find it empowering and and inspiring. And yeah, why mostly I get lovely support. And why I've continued it now for, you know, nearly two years. If I didn't feel that way and if it hadn't been a success for me and if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't still be doing it.
0: You mentioned earlier you know, you were, you had turned 40, you were standing in your power, you were carving out this new path for yourself that yes, it was really good financially for you, this new financial income. But I'm wondering, was there more that you were receiving from it? You know, when, were you enjoying looking so beautiful and, and for people to, to, to praise you for that and to comment on that? Is that okay for me to ask?
1: Yeah, of course. I think it's less about people sort of praising me and commenting on it. It's more the joy that I get from that. And the more that I have sort of, again, over the past few years, and I think that past few years has been like me turning 40 and really finding myself as a woman and really finding my confidence, my sexuality, my femininity, you know, all of that. We're, so, we're told to sort of dim our light, aren't we, and make ourselves small. And actually, what I want to do more and more and more is take up space and be at one with my body, however that might be. And for me, like doing photo shoots and feeling confident is a real way that I connect with my body Going to the gym is another way, doing pole dancing, pole training, which again is something that I've discovered in the last year, has been just amazing. That sort of movement and it sounds really sort of like um, spiritual and that, but sort of like opening up your womb space and your your hips and all of that sounds so silly when you first hear it, but then when you start to do it, you have this real sort of weird divine connection with your body that I feel, and again, I think having a child is a big thing for that because you appreciate what your body can do and how incredible it is that it can create life. And and after that, it can still like be sexual and you can embrace that. And I love all of that. And I think for doing the photo shoots for me, that's a big part of it. I love expressing that. And that's a really big way that I, like to express it
0: well i think that every woman should absolutely be allowed to express themselves in whatever way feels comfortable and joyful for them so i think more power to you when you are so beautiful but also from speaking to you over Uh the last little while you're such a gorgeous person inside too it's not just the exterior beauty that's there how does your husband feel about you putting up these really beautiful but but also very sexy pictures
1: he's been so supportive I mean he's sort of said from day one look if if this makes you happy why would I have an issue with that like I want you to be happy and I think he obviously like he he didn't really know the show before we met he knew of it but he didn't know me he never used to watch it but then he's obviously seen shoots that I've done when I was younger. I've done shoots why I've been with him pre-joining OnlyFans, whether that be off my own back or um, within the show. I've played sexy characters. You know, I've done stage shows while we've been together where I've played sexy characters. And it's it's another way of putting on a performance, isn't it? And I guess that's what I am. I'm a performer. But this is just this performance, but a lot more of me coming across and he's all for it. I mean, I I wouldn't do it if, if obviously if my husband wasn't comfortable with that, but then I think that would obviously raise issues between us and our relationship. And um, that's obviously why we're a couple and we're together, you know, we, we, we vibe and, and this just works. It works for us. He can see as well, how much freedom and freedom is the biggest word I would say that I've got from joining the platform in every sense of the word in, in the freedom of time that I've had and um, the freedom of being able to, be creative, the freedom of working with who I want to work with, of having control and copyright over my pictures, you know, that sort of different sort of freedom and the freedom of being able to be expressive and and being unfiltered. And again, I mean that in every sense of the word, like unfiltered on my pictures and unfiltered with my voice. Like I feel like my whole life I was sort of being very careful of what I said and not to rock the boat or again, upset anyone. And I feel like turning 40 and standing my ground gave me the freedom to, again, being quite spiritual, but open like my my uh, throat chakra and sort of go, oh, just like let everything out. And I'm still working on that. And that's something that I think will be an ongoing process. But yeah, he's just really supportive because he can see how much I think I've grown and and what freedom it's given me and us as a, as a family.
0: Well, I think the burning question, Sarah, and you mentioned it yourself. Your character is still out there. Is there a way back?
1: I mean, I would. Yeah, obviously, acting is my my first job, my first sort of passion, and I never stopped. You know, obviously, that wasn't my choice to to leave the show. So, in in some capacity, I will. Um, be on screen at some point I've been offered reality shows and things like that. But what's lovely is that I, again, with that freedom comes the freedom to be able to say no to things that ordinarily I would have had to say yes to because of financial situations or um, whatever the reason may be for me to return to the show. A lot would have to change within the company first, but I would, you, you know, I would love to, honor the character and the audience and and give her a proper send off. That would be nice to sort of wrap it up um, properly, but who knows whether that would ever happen or whether that chapter is, is firmly shut for me.
0: Well, I love that you are so firmly standing in your power and making decisions based on what you want to do and how you want to live your life and showing up in the world as your true, authentic beautiful self and I think that that's a really inspiring message for women to to own who they are and to show up exactly as they are and I think behind it all when we can do that that's what really leads to us living happy and fulfilled lives so thank you for sharing your gorgeous story with us and for being so honest and authentic
1: oh, it's my pleasure thank you for having me
0: When thinking of today's therapy segment what came to mind very strongly for me was that period of time where life felt really really stormy and overwhelming for Sarah just after her contract had been terminated and the public eye was on her. Moments like that in life can feel really distressing and really anxiety provoking and really unsettling. For this reason it can feel like Those moments are really challenging to survive. They can completely take over your life. It is times like these that we most need to be held and supported. Whatever is going on for us. Whether it is losing a job as Sarah did. The dissolvement of a relationship. Or receiving a huge shock. Life when it feels really stormy like that can feel really really hard and often we turn to others to hold and support us in those storms and if we have those people in our lives what an incredible support they can be however what we often forget is that we can hold and support ourselves in those storms too. Meditation is a really powerful way to hold and nurture ourselves when we need it most So I'd love to share a really beautiful meditation with you today. It is one that will benefit you whatever is going on in your life, however you are feeling. So save it to come back to later for when you desperately need it. But I hope it also brings you some peace and some calm today too. Allow yourself to settle into the space you are in closing your eyes and as best you can connecting yourself to this moment. Let yourself arrive. Let yourself settle. Let yourself still. Allow yourself to sink even further into this moment as you begin to deepen your breath. Slow and steady breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth. In and out. In and out allowing your breath to take on the natural rhythm of your body. As you breathe, allow your body to release any areas of tension as best you can. And as you do so, feel your muscles as they begin to relax and as you begin to become more comfortable with each breath. There is nothing for you to do in this moment, but to listen to my voice and allow yourself to sink even further into the here and now. You are safe. And this is your time to nurture and hold yourself. As you feel yourself begin to relax even further, I invite you now to visualize somewhere that is very, very peaceful. A peaceful and special place. a place where you feel happy, a place where you feel safe, a place where you feel calm. Really bring to mind as best you can the place that you have arrived in. What's the weather like? Is there a breeze? Are you surrounded by noise or by stillness? Pay as much attention as you can to this beautiful space you have found yourself in. Pay attention to the smallest details that surround you. Are there any smells or sights that stand out? Are you alone or are you in company? Take a moment to soak it all in. If you are alone, Take this time to enjoy the stillness and the calm. If you are in company, enjoy their presence beside you and the peace and contentment that comes from the bond you have. Pay attention now to how your special, peaceful and calming place is making you feel. Notice if there are any sensations in your body. Focus on the feelings that arrive and gently wrap your arms around them like an embrace. Embrace. Hold the feelings tight and feel them warm against your cheek. Still holding on to these sensations, continue breathing. Slow, deep breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth. As you spend time in this calming place, really allow yourself to sink into this moment and into this experience. Soak in the feelings, the sensations, the peace. Soak in having no worries, no cares, no concerns. Soak in the experience of being in this place where you can simply rejuvenate, relax and just be. Enjoy your peaceful place for a few moments more. Memorize the sights, the sounds, the sensations all around you. And know that you can return to this place in your mind whenever you need to. Whenever you need to nurture and hold yourself whenever you need an escape from the storm. When you are ready, I invite you to begin to gently wake up your body in preparation for returning to the here and the now. Perhaps gently moving your fingers, your toes, perhaps very slowly and gently opening your eyes. And if you can, allowing the feeling you've been experiencing in your special place, in your peaceful place to extend into the here and the now and the space that you are in. As best you can, take some of that feeling with you. And remember, this special, peaceful place, this safety from the storm, it's always here, waiting for you to return to you next need to visit thank you so much for listening to unspoken with me dr cloda campbell the wellness psychologist be sure to like subscribe and follow me at the wellness psychologist on instagram if you would like to hear more if you identified with this topic make sure to check out the show notes where i have listed related resources for you i hope you find them beneficial Today's podcast is very proudly sponsored by my absolute favourite Irish skincare brand, Ella and Joe Cosmetics. With formulas that are powered by plants and backed by science, Ella and Joe are dedicated to creating high quality, luxurious skincare products that actually deliver results and that create magic moments in your day. Whether your skin is dry, dull or just in need of a pick-me-up, the Ella & Joe range will put the joy back into your skincare routine. Find your skin confidence again by shopping Ella & Joe's beautiful products on ellaandjoe.ie using discount code UNSPOKEN for 15% off.